Welcome to the Pair Program from Hatchpad, the podcast that gives you a front row seat to candid conversations with tech leaders from the startup world. I'm your host, Tim Winkler, the creator of Hatchpad. And I'm your other host, Mike Ruin. Join us each episode as we bring together two guests to dissect topics at the intersection of technology, startups, and career growth. What's up, everyone? We are back for another episode of the Pair Program. I am your host, Tim Winkler, accompanied by my co-host, Mike Gruen. Mike, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing great. Took a couple of days off, uh, rested and ready to get back to, to doing some, some real work and hanging out with you guys. Real work. What does that mean? <laughs> um, no, like so, back at work. <laughs> yeah. Um, have you seen, um, have you seen the, the second Avatar yet? The Way of Water? No. Nope. Not a fan, not a fan of, of Avatar? I haven't seen it. Sorry. You haven't seen, have you seen the first one? Uh, probably. Okay. It's been a you long time. Wow. Right. No, wow. you haven't. Wow. No, you Jeez. haven't. <laughs> it's either you probably have not. or you haven't. Yeah. <laughs> it's, one of, I don't, it's probably it's one of the not that. Top grossing yeah. movies of all time. I understand that. I've seen a lot of good movies, but yeah, probably not that one. Okay. All right. Well, um, sorry, I recommend sorry, you watch the first one. <laughs> What about you guys? Have you seen it? The the new one? I've not seen the new one yet. I just uh, watched the old one, the first one with my daughter to kind of get her. She hasn't seen it yet. She's a little bit too young for it. Yeah. Before, so we're getting ready for it. And this week sometime we'll probably go. Yeah, I was All reading. Right. You, you, what about you, Haitham? I haven't watched the second one either, uh, but I love the first one. I mm-hmm. just watched the trailer for the second one. I'm not super excited about it. I don't know if it's because of, you know, has been so long since the first one. Right. Uh, uh, not sure, but uh, I will definitely give it a shot. That's what I was yeah. reading an article about is that it's been like 14 years. Um, and they said that they were waiting for the technology to kind of catch up to, to really capture what wow. they want to capture. But what they've recorded at this point, they say um, they have enough content to cover the next three of the series, which is wild. Um, so I read somewhere, I, I guess in the second one, Edie Falco is in it uh, as a, a primary character some way. And apparently she shot her scenes so long ago that she assumed that the movie already came out like flop or something and just didn't <laughs> had no idea that it hadn't even come out yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Wow. wow. Well, let's um, let's go ahead and give the listeners a, a heads up on, on today's episode. So we're going to uh, dissect... Um, could call it a, de- a debate, uh, but basically two points of view that are centered around hiring uh, different kinds of engineers within startup environments and specifically, you know, generalist types of engineers versus specialist types of engineers. So, you know, oftentimes we have a lot of founders, CEOs, CTOs that have a, maybe a strong stance on, on this one way or another. Um, and, um, <clears throat> you know, often might not want to deviate from their own style, but maybe this conversation might flip some viewpoints. So we've got two fantastic guests here joining us. Uh, Both have really diverse experience in hiring up engineers and building teams from early stage startups uh, to big tech companies like Lyft and Google. So we'll get some nice perspectives on the topic. Uh, Haitham and Nick, thank you both for joining us on the Pair Program today. Thanks for having having us. Sure. So before we dive into the discussion, we do like to kick things off with the fun segment that we call Pair Me Up. Uh, here's where we're going to go around the room. We'll shout out a complimentary pairing. Mike, as always, uh, you start us off with what you got for us. So for those uh, actually watching the video, uh, you can see I'm shaved. So, um, uh, which is not common, but my pairing <laughs> is 
uh, big projects and playoff beards. So the reason I took a couple days off was for the last like month plus, I was totally crushed by end of year reviews. I have a large team and a lot of people to review. So I was working a lot of late nights and long hours. And during those like crunch times, I just go with my hockey playoff beard. Don't do anything and don't maintain it. And then when the project's done, I shave it. So uh, it's like a nice look, nice little reprieve. So that's my my tradition. I've been doing it for since college. Um, so that's that's my pairing. Nice. You know, nice. I'm sure our, our viewers appreciate it. You look <laughs> much cleaner like you like you've showered recently. Uh, <laughs> also, uh, there's a big Rangers Caps game coming up soon. Yes, think, there is. Um, yeah. December 27th, actually. So, um, yeah, I just we'll assumed get- you'd be busy. Yeah, yeah, that that might actually segue right right into my pairing. Um, I'll I'll jump in. Uh, so you know, my pairing is a derivative of a life changing event that my wife and I uh, recently experienced um, last week, Tuesday uh, to be exact. Uh, we welcomed into the world our first child, uh, a daughter. Her name is Alice. Um, and with that, I'm going to go with newborns and a new purpose. Um, so you know, for those parents that are out there listening, I'm certain you can relate, but your life takes on new meaning when you bring a child into this world. And yeah, it's the best thing that's ever happened to us. And and I feel like my wife and I both have this new purpose in life, which is baby Alice. So that's, that's my pairing, get a little, little, uh, you know, teary eyed sentimental on, on this one with, um, you know, newborns and a new purpose. So, um, nice. I'm, I'm, I'm pumped. Yeah. Congratulations. Congrats. Thank you. Thank awesome. you. Um, I, I will close uh, in the five second scramble with parenting tips, I assure you. Uh, so, uh, it's too soon for you to say that, but yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I'll be asking, asking you, for them. You guys are asking them. Yeah. 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 Um, I will not be giving any parenting tips. Um, all right. So let's pass it to our guests now. Haitham, uh, if you want to give us a quick intro and tell us your parent. Um, sure. I, I feel very hard to top what you just said, but uh, <laughs> I'll go a bit classic. Uh, I do like driving and listening to either podcasts like this one uh, or audible books uh, for the more my normal routine. Uh, I used to drive about like 40 minutes or so, you know, every uh, day going in and out of work and just listening uh, allowed me to catch up on a lot of reading uh, and, you know, learn a lot uh, uh, for the past few years. Cool. Do you have any favorite podcasts that you recommend aside from the pair program? <laughs> I know. Is that uh, paid uh, advertising? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, I, uh, I, I do like the uh, software engineering daily uh, when like in context, I guess. Um, uh, but uh, I also loved Serial. Uh, if, you know, if you haven't heard of it, it's it's amazing uh, by uh, uh, American Life, um, if I remember correctly, and uh, Sarah Kenning. And it's, it has, it's all about real world stories that the sort of news reporting. Um, and uh, I think I have quite a few on my list and you just turn on the, uh, you know, the latest, like recently, you know, added podcasts to that list and you just listen uh get sucked in which did you say cereal yes cereal's incredible production value too yeah 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 the the the, uh, the story on adnan um Mm. just that they did the oh so yeah yeah, they did the um 
they did the Netflix or was it HBO? Um, one of the two. It was so no. good. I mean, I you know I I remember watching like the documentary, but then there's like a mini docu series that just recently came out, and it's uh, so it's so well done. Um, but I agree I with you. Check that out. I have not uh, watched that, but yeah. yeah, the the podcast was awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I'll send you the uh, I'll send you the link to it. But good stuff, uh, Nick. How about yourself? A uh, quick intro and, and your pairing. Yeah. So, hello, everybody. I'm Nick Petty. I'm the CTO for Clear. I've been an engineer and an engineering leader for all of my career. I'm happy to be here. Uh, gosh, my pairing is going to feel so self-indulgent now compared to the profundity of, of uh, parenthood and you know educating yourself, things like that. But uh, I'm being very seasonal because here in Washington State, it's been dumping snow. It's extremely cold outside. My wife is Vietnamese, um, and on today's like today, she likes to make or or sometimes we order in uh, pho. Mm. Um, and so the, the, the winter season, that's cold snow and that warm broth. Oh, it's such a, just a delightful pairing. Mm. Um, made my mouth water a little bit just thinking about it. Absolutely. I think this that's is uh, the second appearance of uh, as the, on a pairing. Uh-huh. So it's mm-hmm. uh-huh. one of my go-tos too. So, Are you heavy Wait. on the sriracha? You going heavy on that? I load it up, man. Um, mm-hmm. I, like, I throw the basil in, I throw the lime in, I throw, throw the sriracha in. Yeah. So uh, good. We, uh, in, in our family, we do a soup day. Uh, it's little tradition. We uh, started after moving here to the cold west. Uh, <laughs> we just take soup and go out in the cold in some you know park or something and just have soup. Uh, it's I don't know maybe that would be my second period. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a good tradition. I like that. But it it's uh, it's awesome. Yeah, love the pho. Yeah, love the pho. Um, cool. That was great. Uh, let's, let's, uh, go ahead and transition into the, the, the discussion for today. So as I mentioned, we're going to be talking about, you know, hiring up engineers into startup environments and, and breaking down some of these maybe pros and cons of hiring up, you know, a generalist versus a specialist, uh, these different types of profiles. And so there's a lot of research out there that's maybe made the, the case for both sides here. And I was doing a little bit of digging on the topic as well. And, you know, the, a couple of journalists, for example, like David Epstein wrote a, you know, a New York Times, you know, bestseller called Range, which is, you know, Range, why generalists triumph in a specialized world. Um, so they're, you know, he's making the case that, you know, hyper specialization is something that's instilled in all of us since grade school, but it might be a little bit overrated and believes we should encourage, you know, range. And then alternatively, um, leaders like Michael, Malcolm Gladwell, uh, who's another journalist put on a um, put out a pivotal book called Outlier, which makes the case okay. that you know specialization is what contributes to you know high levels of success. And so now we want to think about these implications in in the context of hiring up you know maybe technical talent specifically in startup environments. And we'll cover this from you know mid to senior level all the way up to to leadership level. Um, and I'm just going to jump into it at this point. Start with you first, Nick. Uh, maybe you can shed a little bit more light for our listeners and uh, expand on, you know, the 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 journey to to get to your current role as the CTO at Clear, and uh, yeah. and then a little bit more on the size of your company tech teams that you're you're responsible for. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I would say that it's probably um, been just the last few years of my career that I have sort of like emotionally accepted the idea that I'm not a developer anymore. You know, I, I haven't like written code for a paycheck and probably like a decade or more, but uh, in my heart, I still am, you know, and that, cause that's been the majority of my career. So, you know, I spent a good chunk of time at places like Amazon and PayPal. That was probably about 15 or 16 years right there. 
as a, you know, as an IC of some form or another. Um, eventually, you know, I, I had an opportunity towards the latter end of my time at PayPal to um, really be sort of in like a, not quite, I wasn't managing people, but I was sort of leading a very large team in a sort of an indirect capacity as like a very senior architect. Um, and it finally clicked for me like, oh, like, hey, if I do this right, I can sort of become this outsized leverage for the rest of the team. And the impact then that I can have is far greater than I could have it, even, even at the most senior, most, you know, deep IC that I could imagine. Um, and ultimately, what I care about in my career is impact um, and, and doing things that matter to people. I don't, you know, need to be curing cancer per se, but, you know, it, you know, it, it needs to be something of value and something meaningful uh, to people from a product and, and sort of society perspective, right? So every role I've had since then has been sort of measured attempts at growing my leadership capabilities at increasingly larger sizes of scale, starting with like early, early stage startup. Like, you know, first day was sitting around the CEO's kitchen table at their house because we didn't have an office yet early. Right, all the way up through um, late stage to them IPO. Um, you know, I think you were at Lyft when Lyft IPO'd, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yep. yeah. So I, I was I was at Uber when Uber IPO'd uh, on the other side of things, um, right? Yep. And then and then going all the way to the other extreme at J.P. Morgan Chase, the pretty much largest organization you can imagine. Um, and now at Clear, maybe a little more in between. Uh, you know, Clear IPO last year, um, scaling up and maturing in a lot of ways. Um, I've got a good size, couple hundred people in terms of engineering organization. Um, and, and so a lot of my focus now is just really on how do I build really great teams and help them, you know, create leverage. Excellent. Yeah. And we'll, we'll, um, pick at that here in just a minute, but, yeah. um, let's, let's transition quickly over to item. If you want to, sure. you know, provide a little bit of background, uh, for our listeners as well on your, on your journey. And then, uh, obviously expand a little bit more on what's going on right now at union at AI. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, Thank you for the opportunity. So, yeah, my name is Haytham Abul Fatua. I'm originally from Egypt, uh, and I have worked in a few big corps, like cor corporates, uh, worked for Microsoft, Google, and uh, most recently Lyft before starting Union uh, with a few amazing co-founders. Um, also, by the way, generalist engineers. Uh, so we'll <laughs> talk about that in a bit. <laughs> nice. um, uh, yeah, and I got uh, I got the opportunity to work. Uh, you know, as an IC for most of my career, uh, I've done management, I've done tech leading, uh, and I've seen the, um, you know, maybe across, if, if there is some dividing line between generalists and, and uh, uh, specialists, uh, I have definitely worked with people who are, who, who at least uh, categorize themselves or, uh, as one or the other. Um, and I think there is a lot of value that both can provide uh, and a lot of value that um, uh, I sort of found myself within a team uh, can provide to both of them. Um, so there's definitely, I would say, more collaboration than um, uh, competition between the two roles. Um, at, uh, at Union, we started the company about two years ago uh, with a mission to, from the name, uh, to really unify uh, the ML work uh, space, uh, the tooling and the you know the processes and the, uh, just the uh, efforts uh, uh, and make it super easy for companies that need to adopt uh, ML uh, as their you know part of their business uh, to you know just iterate, ship things quickly, um, and bring in the efficiency that you know we have as an industry have built over maybe 15, 20 years in software engineering. Uh, over to this ML uh, first world. Awesome. Yeah. Um, 
let's let's start with with you nick on this because you recently just went through a little bit of a hiring spree uh, as, mm-hmm. as you mentioned to us on our intro call um talk to me a little bit about that um you know what level you were kind of looking at bringing in and then let's break down you know what you were looking for in terms of these molds and why yeah, it's a it's a really interesting one in the context of Clear actually because um, upon joining Clear, so I, I'm still very much hiring. By the way, uh, quick shout out. Uh, but uh, you know where where I where I started when I took the role was really at my most senior leadership team. I didn't really have a sort of senior leadership bench. It was a lot of like frontline managers, and um, you know very much I think the the vestige of the company really scaling up really quickly and maturing really quickly is now finding itself in a position where it's time to sort of like take that next level up in terms of organizational structure and and potentially specialization. But interestingly enough, when I when I looked at hiring my leadership bench out, um, I was really focusing on generalists, actually, um, specifically, you know, and, and what I kind of build to each of my hires was that, um, you know, there is going to be a, a significant sort of pillar or vertical chunk of functionality to own that's going to be meaningful and impactful for the company, for sure. But what I really care about the most are leaders that can reach across the organization and help me sort of solve a bunch of different kinds of problems that are more horizontal in nature. Um, just again, because it's really about clear, um, really sort of taking, taking off in terms of um, the scale of things we're doing, the types of things we're doing, expanding outside. I think most people know clear as an airport business, right? Um, and there's now so much more that we're doing and are going to be doing in the future. Um, and, and getting there requires, you know, you maturing uh, our collaboration, maturing our processes, up-leveling our talent, uh, maturing our tech stack in many ways, right? Um, and each of those things is not really a vertical problem, I said, right? It's a, it's a sort of horizontal problem set. And so as I've, as I brought on really, really great, strong leaders that I'm really thrilled with, each of them has sort of approached much, a much more sort of first team versus, okay, I'm going to focus on my little area and make this good. And, you know, everybody else can worry about their own areas instead. Um, and I think that's probably the right thing for now. Having said that, and my, you know, my belief, by the way, just to throw it out there to, to kind of, uh, you know, juicy up the conversation a little bit is that it's really not a choice, but more of a spectrum that you, I think you, you, you make intentional choices about the when you want to think about generalists versus specialists. And there may be times when it's one's appropriate versus the other. And you kind of, the, the, the trick or the nuance is knowing when, um, and it's not necessarily even linear, right? You don't graduate from specialist or generalist to specialist, for example, and then you're just on specialist for forever at that point, right? Like sometimes you come back around at various points in my career, I've had opportunities to do what you might call like a startup within a large company. Um, and in doing so, you end up sort of coming back around to, okay, now I'm hiring generalists again. Um, and and then you sort of maybe work your way towards specialists as you need to for scale. Yeah, it's fascinating. And, you know, this leadership level, um, you know, I, I know that titles can mean something in every org, but, you know, we talk in like EMs, director level of engineering or what, yeah. what kind These of are more, more VP level. More VP, VP level. level. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And especially, you know, depending on the size of the company, especially at the more senior levels, those titles can, can be a little squishy, sure. right? a little bit like what's the difference between a VP and SVP when you're talking about like a 200 person engineering organization, for example, right? And there are differences, but they might right. be like, you know, subtle, right? And so I tend to think about, and then this goes back to the whole, you know, how you establish that bench and how you work in generalist is I tend to focus on how do we grow into the organization, right? So you may have a title that's a little bit squishy and feels like a little bit overinflated now, but like in a year or, or two, as we continue investment, as we grow the organization, it's going to make a lot more sense, right? And so you want to kind of, I, I think about hiring generalists for the long term uh, in that respect. And, and Haitham, you, you know, obviously we're in a, in a much smaller 
situation here yeah. at union.ai maybe you know what's the size of the tech teams here and um you know you, you mentioned that you're hiring as well uh you did you did plug you're looking at generalist um you know tell me about the tell me about that strategy and why you're 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 going that direction yeah um uh so we we are a much smaller uh like younger company and smaller team uh as well we started with uh, five people. Uh, we have grown the the work to about thirty five. I want to say now, um, most of them are engineers. I think we are at like eighteen, maybe. I don't have the latest numbers, but about let's say eighteen uh, uh, tech, and then uh, some miscellaneous roles, there's like DevRel and tech uh, writing and others. Um, uh, and I think the way the way we started thinking about this when we started is. Uh, you do want initially uh, generalists because the, the the kind of things that you will need to do are just so flexible and a lot of unknowns that you cannot. Any way you make it, you'll not make the right choice picking the right specialist to do every little thing you want, um, right? And they will be uh, probably underutilized because there isn't enough of a, you know that sort of specialization in the beginning. Uh, even though later on there will be a lot more, but you know, in the beginning, you want people who can uh, very flexible, can jump around roles, uh, can even go up in like management and then down BIC. Like you want journalists in very different dimensions, I guess. Uh, if I can describe it that way, um, uh, they can even be sometimes engineers, sometimes non-engineers, and be you know product management and maybe customer sales. Uh, like they can just work all across. Um, until you get to a point, and I agree with Nick on that, that like, it's not it's not really a, a binary switch uh, that happens, right? It just uh, when it's different, of course, across the company, like in different roles in the company, where you start recognizing and realizing that um, for that particular thing, you need uh, maybe more specialization. Um, it's not just it doesn't have to be a specialist, right? Like somebody like full time specialist, but more specialization. For certain things, um, one of those things that we recognized like very early on is like the, the you know the customer facing, uh, the support and the, uh, customer success and so on. Uh, people who reach out like DevRel, there's uh, marketing. There are some, uh, I would say, roles that are much further apart um, than others, uh, and for those it was a bit easier to. Uh, um, to target and find specialists for, uh, but you know, if you're talking about maybe product and um, and engineering roles, maybe they are closer together. That uh, that a generalist or some generalist can span across that spectrum. Um, I, I think the other thing I I would say uh, another area we saw is like security. There are so just some even within tech uh, and engineering worlds are certain domains that um, are just too big uh, for somebody to sort of, I don't want to say casually, take them on, but just uh, um, without the full knowledge of the domain, uh, Excel at. Uh, and, you know, uh, security is one of them. Uh, like you're doing deep ML engineering is another. There are just certain, some areas that are still very uh, hard to uh, sort of pioneer and make impact in if you're not already sort of deep uh, in the weeds uh, prior to joining a role. 
so definitely started with generalists uh, to scale out the entire company and then started picking up areas where we want to hire um, you know, more specialized people. I think security is definitely, I think an area where, um, sorry, sorry, Mike, cut you off there. I was just thinking like security is definitely a really interesting area where um, the, the generalist and specialist transition can be like really kind of obvious, right? Because you can actually go quite a, quite a ways with software engineers and just like really basic, but like solid like security practices. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then at some point you reach a point where you know you need somebody who's got that depth of expertise to jump in and sort of take the reins. Um, that's exactly that's what obvious, I was going to yeah. say yeah. was yeah. the, you could have, um, you can actually do more damage in a way if you have someone who kind of knows security, mm. but isn't really, doesn't really know what they know or don't know what they don't know. And next thing you know, you you're in worse mm -hmm. situation. And, and I think the same is true with ML. Like I think of all, I've, I've met a lot of people who think they really understand machine learning and then they don't realize how biased their models are and all the mm -hmm. terrible things mm -hmm. that they're, that they've done. Um, same in security and the rest of it. So I do think you're, I, I totally agree, right? There's this like you, good best practices and understanding yeah. and just wanting to making sure that people know what they know and know what they don't know. Um, and then you can start bringing in more specialist security. Both of those are areas where, I mean, I would argue security is such a big domain, machine learning is such a big domain that there's generalists and then there's specialists within just that. Mm -hmm. um, and right. Absolutely. understanding that as well. And we should, we should probably clarify, you know, when we talk about generalists and specialists, we're kind of using a couple of different dimensions here, right? Because on the one hand, you can think of terms like skill set, tech, 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 tech stack, things like that. I actually tend to think of it more a little way in the ways that you were talking about, Haytham, in terms of like different hats you wear, right? Mm -hmm. So are you an engineer who can also sort of wear a product hat? Are you an engineer who can also speak to customers, right? Things like that. Um, and then, you know, at some point, you know, the, and, and you can find a few of those folks and then you get started as a company or as a team and you can get pretty far that way. But then mm -hmm. at some point, you, you just can't find too many of those people, right? And you need to, mm -hmm. and you don't want to any because you start to scale up. You need to start to have people who really only focus on that one hat um, over time. I think my personal experience is that's kind of how most organizations end up making that transition is that you realize you just you can't hire 200, you know, people who can right. wear all the hats because there aren't 200 people that wear all the hats. And I think that's an interesting distinction. It's actually one of the notes I made was the distinction between generalist versus really I think what both of you are talking about is maybe more around versatility and adaptability than say generalist, right? Like for me, a generalist mm. is someone who can do a lot of different things um, kind of simultaneously, like can, as opposed to someone who's versatile, who can flow from one role to another. Like today we need someone who really understands this versus, mm -hmm. you know, being able to do that. I, I, I'm curious, like versatility, mm. adaptability are things that I sort of think of more um, especially mm -hmm. at startup stages. And then the other sort of common one I've seen, and I'm curious to get both of your opinions, is the notion of a T-shaped engineer, where mm -hmm. they have a breadth of knowledge that's sort of their mm -hmm. foundation, but then they definitely go deep in certain areas. Um, and then aligning that with sort of who you're looking for. So you get somebody who maybe is a really deep backend software developer, mm -hmm. has some familiarity with like CICD, some familiarity with say security, and a little bit of data engineering, but really they're like a backend engineer, like that's that's their bread and butter. And mm -hmm. sort of that notion of a like a T-shaped sort of this generalist in some areas, but definitely kind of specializing. I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. Mm. To whomever Mike, wants to I, answer. I think, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in because it's like, yeah. you, you, you're like, we're on like the same wavelength today or something. I, I was thinking <laughs> the same, that T-shaped idea was I was going to bring up next. 
Um, I think, you know, Clear has a really interesting example of that in biometrics, right? Because biometrics is a place where you want deep specialization. Mm -hmm. um, and we have that. Um, but at the same time, biometrics is also really, really core to experience, right? And to the product, essentially, right? And so what I think about and when it comes to like T-shaped engineers is really, uh, again, a spectrum, but really from sort of more junior to more senior, right? As I expect my engineers and my engineering leaders, as they become more senior, whatever specialization they have, right? Obviously, that goes to increasing depth, but then also in terms of that T-shape, right? That like that person should also be able to think really deeply about the customer experience, about stakeholders, about the product, and like apply their depth to sort of that broader perspective as well. I have uh, some really great, um, very senior like principal engineers, for example, in, in my biometric space that, um, you know, really know their stuff really well um, and can do incredible things. But at the same time, have a really strong lens on on you know what that what that customer experience is like and and how biometrics plays a part in uh, in a product experience right I think people tend mm -hmm. to, biometrics is still relatively new and interesting so people tend to kind of focus in on it but as I commonly tell my team biometric good biometrics should be invisible it should be like <laughs> the electrical outlet in your wall right you should never even think of it it's just it's just there and it just works and in fact the only time you really even acknowledge it is when it suddenly doesn't work for some reason. So the goal is always to try to keep it like invisible and, and, and deep, but highly, highly effective. In order to do that, you have to have both that depth and also that perspective on what the product experience should be like. Uh, I'm, I'm curious, Nick. Uh, so are you, the, the people you saw grow into this sort of T-shaped employees, mm -hmm. uh, did, so does, did they start as a generalist and then they, they started building up uh, the vertical sort of expertise in one area? Uh, and they just- Yeah, I mean, that's that, a really- yeah, it's really interesting. I've seen both, to be frank. Um, and it's okay. a really interesting question because um, I think you can have both. But in, in my mind, the things that are really interesting, I think this is where your space and my space are sort of paralleled, is that like there are areas like, you know, in, in ML, you need to have some some really some depth of expertise. But again, if ML is um, like core to your experience or core to your product or your platform, right, then you're also going to have that broader perspective. Um, but you can have the same thing happen with a generalist also. Yeah, yeah, I have definitely seen, uh, and I'm trying to reflect on like the, the team we have built so far and the people I've uh, you mm. know, had the pleasure to work with before. Um, and I, I think I have seen more people who uh, were sort of hired as a generalist um, and, and then started either developing expertise or they already came with this expertise in one area that was just not sort of known in like sort of the interview process or not, they were not really hired specifically for that area, uh, but they started either, um, you know, leaning towards working more in this or maybe uh, advocating more in that area um, and started, you know, being presented within the company as that uh, uh, the T-shaped employee, right, in that uh, they can go, uh, they have a breadth, um, knowledge around you know, different areas, different hats and so on, but they have very, very deep understanding of their ML or maybe some CI/CD systems or like whatever the, the, the situation is. Um, but I have seen less uh, people who were hired as um, specialists who sort of luckily happen to be generalists. Mm. <laughs> um, uh, definitely seen that, but I feel like it's, that was a lot, that's a lot greater uh, in my experience at least. Uh, well, that, so that brings up kind of an interesting uh, additional dimension to the conversation then, which is like, to what degree do you prioritize intentionally creating environments and cultures where that can happen, right? Mm -hmm. right? Is, that, is that something that matters? And, and do you do that accidentally or do you do it on purpose? And sort of what does that look like? 
Um, I've never, to be frank with you, I've actually never thought about it that way before. Um, but as mm. I heard you speak, I'm thinking about like, you know, obviously you want to create environments where people can learn, people can grow, people have mobility in terms of roles, things like that. Really, really important to me when I'm creating teams is, is creating opportunities for growth because that's what people really care about in their careers. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, do you, do you sort of create general growth or do you create specific growth? Um, and, that's, and, and is it really just kind of what, what, what people you have on your team or is it really driven by the needs of the business or some blend thereof? I'd actually, and I'm, I was curious because as you were talking, I said similar thoughts about myself and my Mike, own career. Mike, you and me, man, we're, we're well, right I, there. I, well, and what Hatham was saying, the when I think back over my career, I because I work primarily in startups, so it's usually these like we usually hired like someone for a role, but then like I think of it as they were specialists that just learned more. Mm-hmm. Like they landed in an mm-hmm. area and mm-hmm. then they took on the next and the next and the next and the next. And so I actually wonder now that you're sort of putting it out there. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's all about environment, right? Like it's the same mm-hmm. person, and given this opportunity, they present as a specialist because their very first job—that's what they were needed to do—and they just went mm-hmm. super deep, or the first couple jobs. But then there's other people who were in other environments where, like, now you're in this like crazy environment where today we need you to be the the DBA, and tomorrow mm-hmm. we're going to need you to be the security guy. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Just speaking about myself. So, um, <laughs> I mean, like, no joke, like, it's crazy how many different, yep, th- and yep. how did that happen? And, and I always consider myself a specialist, um, yeah, not a generalist, but like, but I've now have this general set of skills because I've gone like deep, 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 you know, whatever. So I yep, just wonder yep. if it's more of an environmental thing. I think we're all looking for the same people. Mm. We're looking for people that are versatile, adaptable want to learn different technologies want to grow in different ways um and both technology wise and also like skill set wise like mm-hmm. product management or managing people or all those different things um so maybe it's the same type of people that we're, we're looking for it's just opportunity uh we see a lot of you know whenever we're we're working with a you know a founder on a on a search you know the the types of customers that we partner with are anything from like seed to series ef but I will say that when we talk about specialists, we're maybe looking at it through the lens of the product lifecycle. So, you know, we want somebody who's really dabbled in this zero to one phase. And, you know, beyond that, like it might not be needed too much further because, you know, it's a very specific piece of this project that we're, we're in project or, or product lifecycle. And so, you know, that really helps us, you know, dial in on, okay, we need to really make sure that when we're speaking with, with candidates, you know, Let's talk to them about where where did you you know have this zero to one experience like really walk us through it and explain mm-hmm. to us like you know what pitfalls you ran into how'd you troubleshoot yeah. them whereas that in itself is a specialty I mean it's 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 a it's a very niche piece of development mm-hmm. whereas we see it a lot in product management right and we talk about this on the pod quite a bit where it's like you've worked yourself out of this phase of of PM and and you know you almost need to know when to tell yourself like. Guys, you you need somebody that's really good at this, you know, finding product market fit now because I'm I'm not mm-hmm. that person. So we we see that as almost like a differentiator when it comes to you know a specialist type of resource, even though it could be same tech stack, but it's a very different style of where's the product at and its evolution. It's a really good point, and I think you especially see that within like the C suite and especially with like founders, right? Where mm-hmm. like and I, and I remember way a young Nick Teddy early Silicon Valley being part of a startup um, before I was even at Amazon, um, where the company got its funding, you know, Series A, big Series A round. Um, and then immediately the founders were fired and replaced by the investors. 
Um, and and I, I, for me, I was like, I mean, today that's like a very typical story. But for me, like, I was like, wait, what? That's even possible? Like, how can you get fired from your own company? But but everybody's like, yeah, no, they're, just, they're not the guys for the next. They got you here, great. They're not the guys for the next phase. Um, and and they know that, and we know that, and that's just how it is. I was like, oh, I, I never really thought about that way at that time. It was really interesting. Usually, they don't know that. Fair. That's fair. That's just what they say. <laughs> fair, and, and, and I've been part of. I know I've been part of those stories too, for what it's worth. I know. <laughs> I, thought, I got a question um, for you. So you you know your background. You know you've you've worked at some really you know big big tech companies, a lot of Fang uh, companies. You know Microsoft, Google. You worked with Lyft. You know when you were building out this early team, um, and you've got a couple of co-founders, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, was was some of this hiring through you know your your internal network, and you know, with that, you know, were these folks coming from these big tech environments, and and not to say that folks coming from big tech environments aren't versatile, but you know, when we when we look into certain you know skill sets or soft soft skills, you know, we we do try to find folks that maybe have some specific startup experience. They say mm-hmm. scrappy, right? That's a big 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 word that gets yep. thrown around in startup world. Um, did you feel any sort of, well, one, you know, did a lot of your team come from these bigger tech companies and did you tap mm-hmm. your network or did you, you know, were you intentional and like, you know, I want to go outside the box of, 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 of who we know or, or, or our network, because I think we might find different skill sets here that, that might adapt better in this earlier stage that we're in. That's a, that's a great question. Um, it was definitely, um, I think the first few months were a struggle on hiring. Mm-hmm. As probably Nick can, uh, or like mm-hmm. anybody who works really for an early stage startup can mm-hmm. tell. Um, we, uh, uh, I think that we were intentional about um, hiring generalists at that stage. We were like, we do want people who are versatile, who can work flexible in uh, different areas, who can pick random areas that are not even like tech stack based, right? Uh, just to get things going. Um, we did tap. Uh, our network, uh, I did, and the, all the other co-founders did, uh, but not just as a sort of a general call-out uh, for um, to hire people. Uh, we tried to find the people or reach out to the people who we know, having worked with, uh, that they uh, possess the same skills or the same uh, versatility that we are looking for. Um, the, and I, I wouldn't really say that. I know there is the... I guess, uh, uh, um, uh, what's the, like the, there's an, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Um, conception, I guess, about the uh, people working for big companies that they are more of a small gear in a bigger, uh, right, uh, machine. Um, but I, but having worked in for a long time in those, and I probably, Nick, hopefully can back me up there, uh, there are a lot of, very, very strong, versatile uh, 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 employees and engineers across the stack um, who are not there because of their specialization, because they want to just do the one thing, uh, but because they are this T-shaped employees, more or less. They are very deep in an area, and this is what that company needs them for. Uh, but from uh, from their sort of skill set and background perspective, they are very, very versatile, uh, even within the constraints of a big uh, company. Um, they can go uh, around, and, and I've seen those people grow a lot. Like the, the big companies still need these people, uh, and they sort of recognize and grow them. Once I uh, go, I think, in 
like management and, and maybe C-suite and, uh, um, uh, and that level of uh, uh, management, you do want people who don't get sort of stuck in one thing. You do want them to have the flexibility and the, um, uh, like not just like not just tolerate uh, the the sort of randomness that comes with the job, but actually embrace that and and look for it. Look for opportunities where they can have impact, uh, like breadth impact. So those are the people we try to reach out to. Uh, we were we were very fortunate to hire people from big companies um, and who are not in our. Uh, not necessarily from our like you know immediate network, and also from uh, the uh, startup uh, you know other startup uh, experiences or backgrounds. Um, and I think the mix that we end up ended up with is amazing because you in big companies there are a lot of best practices that uh, engineering teams um, by default sort of uh, embrace and and just the culture and the uh, the way things work the the compliance and the you know the sort of the right way of developing and deploying uh, services, um, people see that and they experience that and they want to bring that over to wherever they go. Uh, so so they came with uh, with these sort of perspectives in mind, uh, and then we get uh, we got people from startup backgrounds where they are you know as uh, Mike said like very scrappy uh, and they were like we'll get. You do whatever it takes to ship the thing, uh, right? Uh, I think Facebook is famous for the, you know, uh, what was it? Uh, uh, ship fast and break things, I think is what, or, or yeah. some variation of that um, uh, mindset. Uh, I know we have people and we do need the mix, right? They could not work with only one kind of people. Um, and the, the, I think the power comes from the culture you build in the company to uh, allow both of them to uh, to strive and just get the best of both worlds. Mm. I, I totally agree with that. Um, in fact, I would say that it really has less to do with the size of the company and more to do with the kinds of things that you work on in that company, right? And certainly big com bigger companies will lend themselves more to people who are more comfortable sort of just like taking that one role and just seeing that out for the next 10 years or whatever, right? And you just show up and do good work and you get promoted on a regular basis to a certain extent and that's nice and comfortable and good and there's nothing wrong with that per se but some people can't sit still like that and they have that sort of natural curiosity um and, and sort of mind for growth right and then you can still find great things to work on um that will ultimately get you there yep. um in fact that's probably one of my number one pieces of advice i try to give especially to my to my leaders uh career advice wise is um you know don't don't think that your growth is dependent on you sort of accumulating sort of all this like fiefdom and sort of, you know, and specialization, it's actually about continuously engineering yourself out of your own job, mm -hmm. right? The analogy I usually use is like chess, if anybody plays chess, right? You develop your pieces over the course of the early, mid, and late game of, of um, and at some point, you'll have chess pieces inevitably to get stuck somewhere, right? Because your opponent did something and now you've got a piece that's in a corner sort of guarding that piece or preventing that piece from doing something. And that piece is pretty much just done for the rest of the game now. And there's nothing you can do. It's still playing an extremely valuable role in the game, but can't do anything with it anymore. It's stuck there for now, right? Versus a piece that can move around and sort of play offense defense on an ongoing basis. From a player's perspective, that's a much more valuable piece to have, right? And you can do lots of things with that piece. Um, so I always tell my my, my leaders, make yourself a, a you know, a knight or a rook don't make yourself a pawn right like you know like make yourself engineer yourself out of job make yourself able to move all the time that's where you can advance your career and continue to grow that that generalization and the specialization yeah like the chess uh example 
uh, Mike, for for you, we can break it down for checkers. Like, thank uh, you, so I appreciate that. You got to get caned. I, I, I was expecting me. that, or you just call me a pawn. So either way. Uh... <laughs> um, yeah, there's a there's a few other you know rabbit holes we could go down on this. We we didn't get to all of them, but you know some of the things that you know we we might want to build on for future episodes. We're we're going to include like the you know I think we're also we're not talking about it, but kind of talking about it of like diversity hiring, right? And why this is so critical. Um, in, in how we approach this, not just from, you know, the specific skill set perspective, but, you know, different genders, backgrounds, races, all of these things, you know, bring together this pool. And I think this culture that you want, um, you know, not everybody's the same here. Uh, we're, we're getting different inputs. Um, so that was an area that we didn't fully get to. And then, um, you know, how you structure your teams, I think, is one that we're, we're probably going to also build an episode around because everybody's got a little bit of a different style to it, but you know, these different pods, right. You know, do you really want, maybe you want this, this specialist kind of lead, uh, but then, you know, the folks, you know, that are reporting in might be a little bit more of these generalists, but um, we can, we can table that and, and store it in, uh, in, in the bank for another uh, recording. Um, but uh, any last words on this? And I, you know, before we transition into the, the five second scramble, um, anything that, that comes to mind that you wanted to throw the cherry on top, Nick, or, or hit them? My last thought would just be that I, I think that like most things, like I said at the beginning of the conversation, it's a spectrum and it's an intentional choice that you make. And it's not like there's not anyone like, oh, you always do it this way, then that way. I think that no matter what the situation you're in, you always have to think sort of holistically uh, and make intentional choices and then reevaluate those choices ongoing because it's never going to be the right answer, you know, in perpetuity. Uh, yeah, I totally agree with that. I think it's uh, it's it's very important. The intentional part is very important, especially as the company grow. You cannot every hire uh, is very uh, valuable and very costly, uh, and they have to right. They have to be the like net positive for the entire company, the the life of the uh, and the rest of the team. Um, I think one one other thing I wanted to add uh, to uh, the same thing. Um, just got uh, <laughs> sorry, um, my mind just blanked for a second. Sorry, yeah, I totally blanked. I forgot what I wanted to say. It was going to be profound, though. I bet. <laughs> If you want, <laughs> I'll, I'll talk for a little bit and buy you a little bit of time. Uh, I do have a final thought a little bit about the hiring and, and uh, yeah. my. It's, a lot of times I approach it like I'm building a mosaic, right? And and the reason why I'm bringing this up is because I think when you're hiring, while you may have it in your mind that you want to have this person or this role or this whatever, like understanding that you're building a team and you're building the team on the fly, so you, it's not like putting a puzzle puzzle together. You don't have all the pieces. You're trying to find them and fit them together. And so even if you do have like, you know, you sort of have in your mind, like, I need this type of person, like being more open to, okay, someone with that skill set, but maybe they are a generalist, but that, or that T-shape, like, or whatever it is, and trying to, you're filling out an entire team. And so, ha you know, you hire one person and that might help inform you who else you're going to end up hiring and to sort of just be open to those, mm -hmm. those possibilities of like, oh, maybe if I bring in this person, then I'd don't need as much in this other area or, or vice versa. Um, so yeah, yeah I'll, I'll piggyback on that real quick too. So we, we partner often with 
venture capital firms on on hiring up for their early stage portfolios, so primarily you know, seed and A. And with that, you know, we oftentimes will just have, and, and when it comes to leadership positions, we see a lot of times they don't even post these roles because they just need to talk to people. And I think through talking to people, you know, it's not about what's on your resume per se. I mean, there's definitely gonna be some things that jump out, but you'll start to see like profiles and these profiles will start to carve out like, oh, I didn't realize that there was this, this type of person either, uh, or that you can combine this and with this. And it'll almost open your mind up to, you know, getting out of this one lane. <clears throat> so we, you know, we oftentimes will have, you know, on a monthly basis, like, hey, here's like three directors of engineering. You know, each of them has a little bit of a different flavor. And, you know, they just want to have a conversation and through that conversation, figure out like, there is a role here for you. And we didn't even know about it until we saw this, this was profile and had that conversation. Mm-hmm. So I think like not being so rigid on like, you got to build this org chart and every job description has got to be structured. And it's like, be open to the conversation, especially in the early stages, I think in leadership types of roles, because you're going to see a lot of different folks and, and they might also just influence you to go down some paths that you weren't originally considering um, just by having that talk. So Absolutely. Quite right. Yeah. Um, um, I think I remember what I was saying. Um, yes. It's about <laughs> flexibility too. Uh, so I, I have also seen um, people's preferences change and the person you hire for one role, uh, like maybe you hire them as a specialist or a generalist and they, they, after working with them for a bit, they decide that they want to dig deeper in one area and become a specialist there. And I think uh, being able to recognize that and not box people in certain, you know, uh, in one model or another, um, gives your team like just immense, uh, immense power. Um, and just, you know, so embrace that too, uh, for, to the leaders who are building these teams. Um, this is, this comes with the job being a generalist too, having to navigate all of these situations and the person you hire for one job may end up being excellent for a different one. Absolutely. Well said. Good stuff. All right, let's um let's go ahead and and uh, wrap up here with um this final segment called the five second scramble. So I'm going to ask both of you all a series of questions. Um, you try to give me your response within five seconds. We're not oh. gonna you know throw the horn on you and, and uh, you know kick you off the air if if you don't. But um, try to keep it short, short and brief. It'll be kind of this rapid fire Q and A. Um, some business related, some personal. So I'm gonna start. Um with you, Haitham. So um, first and foremost, you know, what problems are you solving at Union AI? Uh, unifying ML tools, tool chains, uh, and giving ML engineers one view and end-to-end platform to do it all. Who are your uh, users? Want more... oh, sorry. Okay. Uh, all right, <laughs> you're asking a series of questions. I think I, as I answered the question, I, I was like, is that what he was asking about or actual yeah. like engineering problems? Um, uh, who are our users? Uh, ML engineers in different companies, big and small. What type of engineers would thrive at Union AI? Um, Come with curiosity in mind and wanting to learn. Be open to talking to customers and learning what they actually want. Um, and you will strive here. What's your favorite aspect of the culture at Union AI? 
we are a global culture and uh, I embrace that early on and I love it. We are hiring, we hire people all around the world um, and I'm enjoying this so much. What's, as a founder leader of a startup, what is the number one thing that you'd say keeps you up at night? Oh, making sure we are uh, solving the right problem. And I keep questioning that every day. Is, did we spend the day today solving the right thing for our customers? Uh, or should we change that? What's the, your favorite country that you've ever traveled to? I have to go with Egypt, my home country. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Um, bagel, biscuit, or English muffin? Uh, bagels. All the way. That's the right answer. Uh, <laughs> I don't feel like that's a question. <laughs> uh, number one parenting tip for new fathers. Do not listen to parenting tips. <laughs> uh, I, I would say that in all honesty though you will get a lot of tips and a lot of personal experiences from everyone who sees you with a kid um, <laughs> uh, take it as a for what it is it is a personal experience for somebody else it may or may not apply to you um, so it's more of a suggestion not a guideline it doesn't tell you it doesn't define how your relationship with your kid should be yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, I've I've heard that before, and I I agree. Every but every parenting style is different. Um, what is your favorite app on your phone today? Probably uh, my Google search app. The I and not for the search functionality, but for the curated news I get on the homepage. Nice. <laughs> and uh, what is your favorite superhero? Or who is your favorite superhero? I don't think I have one. I'm not into superheroes. Oh, <laughs> I think I'll uh, then. favorite Disney character. That's a tough one. <laughs> <laughs> what is your third favorite animal? <laughs> Oh my god. Thank you for skipping that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um uh cats. Nice. That's third, right? Third. That's so good. <laughs> so we're we're doing these videos internally at Hatch as well. And so Thomas is our producer. Uh we wanted to create everybody's kind of like bio. So we we came up with like 10 questions that everybody to record and we're fully distributed so that you know going into next year, everybody can kind of circulate them. And he came up I with see. these questions and his, one of the questions was like, what is your third favorite animal? And it's just, you know, makes you think a little bit of like, oh, man, I don't know. So, you know, it's interesting to hear what people come up with when you ask them their third favorite. Like, so if, you, if you ask a kid that, they'll know right away. Yeah, they will. Okay. Yeah. Wait, I knew right away. What does that say about me? <laughs> <laughs> what is yours, Mike? Uh, octopus. Oh, interesting. All right. Well, you're not, you're not playing the game, so we're not going to ask you any more questions. <laughs> um, all right, Nick, let, let's jump over to you. Fire away. Um, explain your product to me as if I were a five-year-old. If you ever have to pull something out of your pocket to prove who you are or what you are allowed to do, 
then you'll want to use our product to make that easier for yourself. Nice. Who are your users? Uh, it's really anybody. I mean, I think identity is foundational in society. And so, again, same example, right? If you think about all different times throughout your day, you have to pull something out of your pocket or your wallet to prove the driver's license or an insurance card or anything like that, right? Any credential. Um, you know, this at this point, it's hard to go anywhere without needing something like that. What types of engineers thrive at Clear? Uh, I would say engineers that have a strong sense of ownership and a passion for the the member and the partner experience. What's a top trait that you look for in an engineering leader? Intellectual curiosity. What is your favorite city in the U.S.? Got to be New York. Nice. Sunrise or sunset? Sunset. Number one parenting tip for new fathers. Trust your gut. There's going to be a lot of people who are going to suggest you this thing or tell you you're wrong about something else. Um, and 99.999% of the time, you will know best, even if you don't know how to explain it. If you had one day left to live, are you going to spend it with Morgan Freeman or Denzel Washington? Oof, are those my only two choices? That's it. <laughs> That's all you get. You get two. Oh, man. I guess I got to go Denzel. So you're going out hard. Oh, you're going to party. You're gonna... Yeah. 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 Okay. We're, we're going training day. <laughs> going full training day. Yeah, yeah. I love that. American gangster. Um, yeah. favorite, um, favorite Disney character. Dang, I would have done so much better on the superhero one. Oh, let's go superhero. Let's go superhero. All right. Favorite well, then superhero. Batman, of course. Batman. Nice. Yeah. Heard it a few times. It is the right answer. Yep. <laughs> um, that's it, guys. Uh, that's that's a wrap. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. And, you know, um, you know, this has been super helpful. I'm sure a lot of folks will consume this and help them with hiring strategies. Um, if there's anywhere specific that our audience can find you, you know, feel free to shout it out if it's somewhere on LinkedIn, if it's your Twitter handle, whatever it is, feel free to, to shout that out now. Nick, if you want to go first. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm just Nick Petty at LinkedIn. Uh, feel free to reach out. I accept all invites. Cool. And um, if I do a whole LinkedIn, you can get the spelling from the episode probably. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, appreciate your all's time. And thanks again for hanging out with us on the Pair Program. Tim, Mike, it was a pleasure. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks so much. Yeah.